So what's it going to be? Yay or nay? It's always the big question, isn't it? Yay or nay? Here on Big V Racing around midday or just after. Mark Stevens, our AFL editor. He's on the line. He joins us now. I think he's on his way to a wedding this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Steve-O. Yeah, g'day, Matty. Just uh, getting the suit out of the closet. Uh, we're heading up to Flowerdale. Flowerdale. Flowerdale State. So it should be nice for oh. a nephew's wedding. So uh, beautiful. on the way up there very shortly. So apparently the weather's beautiful up there. A good part of the world. Just uh, near Yay, which is fitting mm-hmm. for Yay or Nay. <laughs> I knew you'd come up with something like that, Steve-O. Talk us through the outfit today. Uh, it's pretty conservative, dark blue slacks, a uh, nice blazer and a navy blue shirt, which I bought yesterday, not at the Vic Market uh, like uh, Matty Stewart, but I, I just tucked into David Jones. Tie or no tie? No tie. Oh, Ties okay. are out. And, and I think, uh, yeah, the VRC is on, on board with that as well. <laughs> Ties are out, so I'm going to make a statement today. No need for a tie. Oh, I'm sure you'll be tearing up the dance floor a little bit later today, but on to the serious stuff now, Steve-O. Jordan Degoe, I just put the question to Mickey McGuan. He's tackled yesterday on the new recruit for the Hawks, Lloyd Meek, who, geez, a big boy, Lloyd Meek. He's put on some some weight. Mm-hmm. I think he's in line for a, a club debut in round one. What did you make of the tackle? Well, I think this is a real test case for Michael Christian. Um, basically, what's well, the opening game that he's had to officiate on this year? And he's got a big test case. This will be a, a really interesting one to watch. When I look at the tackle action, um, I think there's a concern. The fact that it was called a dangerous tackle was a free kick immediately. Uh, the good news for the goey is that uh, Meeks didn't really suffer any injury. He played on. Uh, the, most of the contact seemed to be to the shoulder. So that's a tick for the goey. Now, the bad news for the goey is at the end of 2020, Steve Hocking, the then footy boss, uh, made it clear that it's the action, not the outcome, that's important uh, with these tackles and potential to cause serious injury is now a key factor. Now, I look at that tackle. Uh, Meek was sort of flung to the ground a little bit. There was only one motion, but he hit the ground fairly hard. It's difficult to argue that there wasn't potential for serious injury in that tackle. If it was a few centimetres the other way, he could have face-planted him, could have knocked him out. So I think it's a real test case for the action versus the outcome. And I'm reading between the lines. I think he's un, under the pump a bit. I don't agree that you should miss a week for this. Mm. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if he copped a week just under those parameters. Yeah, I agree with you. I think under those parameters, I think he's going to have a really nervous weight on his hands. Just on that, though, Steve-O, the wording around that, can, do you think this is going to be a major talking point throughout the season and there's going to be a number of cases that fall under this? I think there will be, so we're waiting tonight. This will give us a guide, really, on where the AFL sits. So uh, when Chris comes up with his call, which will be in the next day or so, we'll know exactly where the AFL sits. So uh, test case, um, it will be a contentious one all year. And I do feel for the players, particularly to go, tackling a big bloke like me, it's it's difficult to pull yourself back in. But uh, he was sort of ridden into the turf a little bit. And this all came about because Sean Burgoyne escaped suspension for a danger field sort of slam there a couple of years ago. And the AFL inferred that'll never happen again. There'll always be a suspension. So I think this is a real uh, test for Chris And my gut feel is he might cop a week. Mm. Is there a precedent with uh, match review panel um, or reviews or, or tribunal cases in pre-season matches um, sort of falling the way of the player and, and the AFL 
yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like in these preseason yeah. matches, do they get the benefit of the doubt more often than not, or is that not the case? Well, maybe they used to subliminally. Mm. Yeah, that's a big word, but um, well, you... no, I don't think there is. There's a table there. You sit there. You can see the guide now. You can open it up on the AFL website mm. and look at the guidelines for a dangerous tackle. And Chriso has to stick by those. There's not much room to move, and they're more likely to be lenient around finals time, I think, than this time of year. Yeah. But yeah, the big story, I think, if the going misses round one uh, against Geelong, that's uh, be a huge blow, wouldn't it? Um, you know, practice games are practice games. I think you can still win the brown light because it's not in the official 22-game season. But uh, it, very interesting scenario. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, what were some of the other key takeaways from yesterday's practice matches in your eyes, Steve? Well, the other big story is Paddy Lipinski. So important to Collingwood, and it's bad news there as well. I mean, he had a great year last year. He went into that game with a taped-up left shoulder. He'd had a shoulder reconstruction early October. He played through the, the season with a, a shoulder that was loose. His very first competitive game against another team, he goes to tackle and that shoulder pops out. Um, so he's come off the ground. So a big decision now for Collingwood. They'll scan that. Do they strap him up? I hope he gets through a few more rounds and see how he goes. Or he may have to go in and have it redone, reconstructed a game, which should be 16 weeks. It's difficult for a player to get through a whole year with a loose shoulder. It wasn't much in it, uh, Matty. He just went for a... a a tackle when it popped. Mm. So there's every chance he'll need to have that reconstructed again, which is just bitterly disappointing. Imagine just coming back from a shoulder rico, first time you lay a tackle basically for the year on another player and you're gone. Yep. That is not what you want at this time of the year, Stavo. Not one little bit. Hey, what do you think is going to happen this afternoon in the cricket? Australia needs 75 runs to win. Uh, I said earlier in the program they've been dismissed for less than 75 on 15 occasions in the entire history of the game, will they get there safely this afternoon at indoor? Yeah, I think we'll win. And the reason is I think the game plan will be particularly Travis Head will come out and he'll try and slap a quick 30. So I think if someone can come out and slap a quick 30 off the opening overs, then the game's just about over. Mm. So it'll just depend on the first four or five overs. I think you'll find particularly Head will attack. And if he can get his quick 20 or 30, we'll put this one to bed. But there will be some nervous moments, no doubt. And really, the whole game just turned on a couple of catches. Um, Stark came back on. Um, Kawaja took a brilliant catch, which normally really wouldn't back him to take. And then Steve Smith took a ripper uh, to get Pajara out. They were the two key moments. Um, And there was some dumb cricket, too, by India. The Siraj, the number 11, is probably the dumbest cricketer in the world tried to hit a six when the other bloke was doing everything right, and he ran himself out in the first inning. So he should be dropped for stupidity. <laughs> so it was just terrible. I mean, they, they needed every run they can get. You saw the last wicket, didn't you? And you saw the, oh. the bloke there on the other end. Axo wasn't too happy. It was ridiculous. They needed to bat on a bit further. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm really enjoying how outspoken you are against the Indian cricket team at the moment, Steve. No, They've I been like, so like strong. Them. They're good, but they their fielding's not as good as Australia's. And I think in the end that might be the difference in this match. Don't you agree? They're outfielding, they're catching, uh, running between the wickets. They're probably more talented than us, no doubt, the way they play. But they have some issues in other areas. Now I think it'll, I think the Aussies will win. Travis Head is the key. If he can get a quick thirty, he can do that. Then it's all over. No, I agree with you, Steve. I agreed with you yesterday. I thought the way that they turned up there for the third test was. A touch arrogant, to be honest, especially the way that they batted in the first innings. I know it's a difficult wicket, but to bat first and make 109 and 
play some of the shots that they did. I think they just thought they were going to go out and defeat Australia without their captain and a number of other players. And uh, even Shubman Gill yesterday being brought into the side and the way that he danced down the wicket when really at that stage they'd started to get a bit of momentum in here. So, no, I'm with you, and I expect Australia to get yeah. the runs this afternoon. The way I'm looking at it, I think it's one-and-a-half partnerships will get the job done. So, Yeah, yeah. we just need one player to get a 30. Mm. I think it's been a fascinating test match. The umpiring's been abysmal. They've tended to get things wrong and reviewed, and then they're giving blokes out who are getting off. They've totally lost mm. their way. And I've also got to say, what's happened to the wide ball in test cricket? You might as well wipe that out. Stark one bowled one off the pitch. That wasn't called yesterday. It's absolutely ridiculous. There are wides in test cricket, and they can make a difference in a game like this. Yeah, I agree with you on that as well. It's almost like they put the wide away the last few years, isn't it? They just that there was certainly an interesting yeah. call in the England New Zealand game late in that match, well, which could have gone either it's way. It's a nonsense. Mm. I mean, because they're so tight on wides in the other formats, and then suddenly in tests they go way the other way. Mm. So it's just uh, I, I find it astounding. So the umpires have had a complete shocker. Uh, Steve-O, uh, great to get your insights and your news, as always, on Big V Racing. But what we're going to do on a Friday is we're going to draw up a, a Big V multi, okay? And I'm going to get the tab involved. I'm going to make a phone call this afternoon, and we're going to try and get this on the app so that you can actually follow this multi yourself. And you're going to be one of the three major players here. Yourself, me, and Mickey Comerford will pick something out each and every week. And I want it to be a certainty. We need this multi to salute, especially in its inaugural edition. So I'm going to, I want you to open the batting here. Uh, I want some value. I'm not an each-way type of guy. Um, I know, Maddie, you'll probably be leaning each way because that's just the way you run your life. But I'm going <laughs> Drive by. to win elliptical. To win, I think last time I checked was $6.50 at the tab. So first leg, whacked that in. Very confident. Uh, training team confident. I think Mark Hunt has been playing it down on radio all throughout the week. Get on elliptical at 6.50. So Steve-O calls me an each-way sort of guy, and he's telling everyone how confident he is. And I think it was about an hour and a half ago he told me he was going to back the Kiwi Philly Legato. So I don't know what's caused him to do the backflip in the last hour. But anyway, elliptical it is. Steve-O, just confirming, it's definitely elliptical in the guineas. Lock it in. Each way is boring. <laughs> All right. Elliptical with the big W. I'm going up to Sydney tomorrow, Steve-O. You can have something on this horse. It's in... <laughs> The Canterbury Stakes, it's a group one over the 1,300 metres. And I'm telling you, Cascadian, he will run a race first up tomorrow. And, he's three and he'll o- run a place. He will. You're backing a place, aren't you? He will, uh. he, will run a, he will run a place. He will run a place in the Canterbury Stakes tomorrow. Look, if you want to take the win, you can. It's, you can do whatever you like, Mark. You can do whatever you like. But Righto. I'm going to hit the snooze button. <laughs> he'll be running a place in the Canterbury Stakes tomorrow. Mickey Comerford's about to finish things off here. The multi's already at $21, so it's juicy. Hello, Apprentice Mick. Hello, Matthew. What are we throwing in there as the third and final leg? I'm going to put a bit of pressure on myself and go late in the day. The last race at Flemington, I'm going to go with the fave, the Jumbuck. It's last three starts. Second in a benchmark 64 behind Daily Bugle. First in a benchmark 78, won comfortably down the straight at Flemington over mm-hmm. 1,200 metres. And last start we, start, we saw what it did. First again, benchmark 84 and absolutely walked in. There's no reason that it can't do it again at Flemington, over 1,200, up in the grades. It's going to win. Well, how about that, Steve-O? He's not only just given us one for our multis, I think he's just auditioned for the Melbourne form panel tomorrow. <laughs> he's getting ahead of him. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be winning, Jumbuck. If you're in trouble tomorrow, Steve-O, load up in the last. Gamble responsibly, but Jumbuck will be What's winning. It? So what are we adding up to here, guys? So elliptical, $6.50. Cascadian, the drum, $3.30. And Jumbuck, 
Uh, it'll win the last at Flemington, $3.20. It gets you 68 64 and that's without the multiplier, Steve-O. That's without the multiplier. So imagine what you can do if you um, you put the promo on as well. Sensational, guys. I'm on board. So I'm going to pick a winner each week. There's no, no places for me. Well, I think we did this late in the year last year when the footy was going, and you really struggled with the Friday <laughs> football multi. So I'm expecting bigger and better things from you in 2023. Hey, Steve-O, enjoy the wedding this afternoon. Go well on the dance floor and um, make sure you pull up all right tomorrow because it's a big day of racing. It is, and I'm playing cricket tomorrow. But the ceremony is at four, so it'll be right in the heart of the action of cricket. So I might have to have the earbuds in. Is that okay? I think that's a good idea. I think that's a very good idea. Make sure the side screen's in the right spot tomorrow. I'm a little bit worried about you batting, <laughs> opening the batting after a wedding the day before. Hey, enjoy the weekend, steve Thanks. It's the usual preparation. I'll be fine. Our AFL editor, Mark Stevens, joining us there. With all of the latest footy news and his thoughts uh, or his selection in our Big V multi, which we'll be rolling out each and every week. So elliptical, Cascadia in the place and Jumbuck the win, 68-64. Gee, it'd be nice if we get that off to a winning start, Mickey. Absolutely. Uh, Now, you're going to jump in for yay or nay today. No, Matty Stewart is always on a Friday. So you've taken control of this segment and uh, you've got a couple of hot topics you're going to throw at me. Is that right? Yeah, I can. I know there's a dogs race just around the corner, but we can get to the first point, which is can the eight-year-old Cascadian outdo his price of thirteen dollars and two ninety in the Canterbury Stakes? Well, I guess I've just answered the question, haven't I? I think he's fifteen dollars now at the tab, Cascadian. I think he's more of a place chance tomorrow than a winning chance because Imperatres might just be too good. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely looking at that place price. I think you know Lombrado, the Victorian Electric Girl, they're going to go straight to the front. I think they might try and throw off Imperatries uh, in the lead. They're going to bowl along, I reckon, really hard. And I think that's going to open up some avenues for horses like Artorias and Cascadian to come from the back and, and maybe flash for a place. But $2.90 the place, Matt. I reckon you're on the ball. It's not the strongest Canterbury Stakes you've ever seen, but there's some interesting runners. Golden Mile, where's he at? He won the Caulfield Guineas last year. Uh, Artorias, obviously, as well. What do they do with him? He sat closer to the lead in a trial. Um, so it might not be the deepest edition, but... There's some interesting horses going around at Randwick tomorrow in that group one. I'll continue on with yay or nay for a moment. 0416905052. If you'd like to send us an SMS or 1300 Apprentice Mick will be manning the phones in just a moment. But before he does that, what else have you got for me, Michael? Well, our first topic was based in Sydney. I'm going to stay in Sydney. Mick Sharkey and Mick Falgate did a, a lot of work down in Melbourne during their segment today. So the next one's... A bit of a focus on aft cabin. We were talking at the back earlier, Matt, about the barrier it's drawn in Barrier 10 and where it's going to get to. The major players in the race, Osipenko, Zoo Tiger and Machilada, have all actually drawn perfectly in this race. And they're every chance to keep aft cabin out. If it, if it wants to be on speed, I think they're going to try and keep it wide. And we saw what happened last time when aft cabin didn't get its way. It, it peaked very early and they swamped it. They came over the top and swamped him. But I think aft cabin and J-Mac might just settle back in the in the field this time from barrier 10 and and I think they're going to let class prevail. I think it's a it's a great chance at that price in the Ramwick Guineas. Yeah, I see that playing out probably the same way obviously if they do decide to do that you open yourself up to maybe having to do a little bit too much to get there but uh, the way that the Godolphin camp has always spoken about after cabin I know he was a little bit disappointing last start but uh, he wasn't really ridden to suit. I think he'll get the job done tomorrow. It's a tricky gate but uh, I won't be betting, but I'm looking forward to seeing go around. I think it's I think it's a really good race. I think both guineas are terrific races, and I know a lot of people out there say 
Um, there shouldn't be two guineas on the same day, but to be honest, I haven't got an issue with it because they're both great races and it gives us two races to look forward to instead of one. So anyway, um, I haven't got a problem with it. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I think it's important to keep the history in both racing clubs anyway. They're not affiliated with each other. So I don't think it makes any sense to to get rid of one and, and, and combine them. So we started in Sydney. We're going to stay in Sydney, but we're going to talk about a Victorian horse, Giga Kick. Is Giga Kick under the odds at 245 over the 1,000 metres, Matt? Don't know if he's under the odds. I think he's probably the right price considering he's an Everest winner and he's a damn good horse. And I probably wouldn't want to be against him, but he's short enough. And I think he's at his right price there. So no, I don't think he's under the odds because I think he's a superstar. I think he's an absolute superstar. We saw that late last year. Yeah. And... Uh, I just can't wait to see him back. It feels like it's been forever since his race, so just cannot wait to see him back at the races. Yeah, absolutely. You can't doubt him. I think the only only query, I think, is the 1,000 metres. I think courses like Eduardo and even Remark just behind Eduardo, are gonna, they're going to go really hard, as Eduardo always does. And I just wonder whether Giga Kick's going to have enough time to wind up and really get into his stride that we saw in that Everest over 1,200. But $2.45, like Aft Cabin, it's probably not a betting price, but... Let's hope he wins for Victoria. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Uh, great work from you, from you, Mickey. Was there a breakfast poll today? Uh, the breakfast poll was not really sports-related. Uh, oh, okay. Coca-Cola, the, the soft drink's actually been removed from the Olympic uh, and Melbourne Park precincts. Uh, and <laughs> Huge news. Yeah. Front page and stuff. Half was all <laughs> half was all over it this morning. So the, the poll was, what's your favourite drink? Coca-Cola, Coke No Sugar, Pepsi, and Pepsi Max. Right. I'm filthy that it's been removed. I think Michael that Nellis is Saris, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I had to chime in here. Sorry. Um, no, I think that's um, disappointing. It's not any of the football grounds, the Marvel uh, MCG. They're still stocking Coke, I believe. Uh, I think it's, yeah, just the Melbourne and Olympic Park precincts. Can breathe a sigh so down relief. there at Amy Park, they've decided to switcheroo and out Coca-Cola in Pepsi Max. Pepsi and Solo. Yeah. And this is what got you guys talking on breakfast this morning. Oh, Daniel Harford was switched I love on it. this morning. All the big issues. Friday morning, there's footy, you know, the footy started. There's two guineas tomorrow. Huge day of racing. And you spent 15 minutes talking about Coke and Pepsi. Are you a Cokeman, Matty? Oh, boy, oh, boy. We're going to have to have a word to Daniel, I think. Good work, Mick, up until the last bit. See you later. There's Thanks. Mickey Comerford, apprentice, because he's known on breakfast with Harford.